Bible. A deeper dive into the books of the Bible. Greetings and welcome to Pondering the Bible. I am your co-host, Ken Corkins, and with me, as always, is my longtime friend and pastor, Rocky Ellison. Hello. This is episode eight, and we pray that we're sponsored by the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is a special episode. We have a guest speaker with us today, Ms. Katie Bristow. Hello. This is a special episode because this coming Sunday is Laity Sunday, uh, which not every church or every denomination has. This is a Methodist thing for sure. Um, so, Rocky, could you kind of explain what Laity Sunday is and what it's about? Sure. In the Methodist Church, the United Methodist Church, the third Sunday of October is always Laity Sunday. It's a chance for um, the uh, just the generic general members of the church to come up and lead worship to show that it's not fantastic and magical and mystical. Anybody can lead worship. And in fact, uh, churches used to be held in homes because anybody can lead worship. It's kind of designed to get the church over the idea that that clergy is somehow unique or different. Interesting. And so what we do um, is the laity uh, in our church, leads the worship service. We use a, a group of people called lay servants, sometimes called uh, lay speakers. Uh, and what is a lay speaker, Katie, and what does that kind of mean in our little church? Sure. So, as Dad was saying, a uh, lay speaker being a, a general population person, somebody who typically would probably be sitting in the pews. And so, um, it's an opportunity for that person to come and give their views of the Bible, how they interpret the scripture. Um, not every lay speaker intends to to give a sermon. That's that is a choice that, that the lay servant can make. Um, it's using your gifts and your skills for the church. So it's you know doing the invocation or helping with communion. Like there's many different ways to be a lay speaker. Right. Um, so it's, it's, I'm glad you're here because Rocky and I were trying to figure out what we're going to do about Lady Sunday. We're going to kind of break our flow through First Peter. Um, you know, what, do we skip a week? We can't do that. We're only in episode eight. So it'd be really kind of weird, I think. so. Vacation. Oh, wait, we can have that? Oh, cool. <laughs> not, not the media guy, no. No. <laughs> I always have to be here, just like you do. <laughs> so really, I thank you very much, Katie, for volunteering to join us on this podcast. Um, and as is, is, is the choice of any lay speaker in our church, Katie is not continuing in First Peter. Katie, what book are you preaching from this week? I'll be uh, speaking from Luke. And what chapters and verses will, will we be covering this week? Chapter 12, verses 35 through 48. And what translation are you reading from? I use the, the New International Version, the NIV. Outstanding. Go ahead and read the, the scripture for us, and we'll go from there. Okay. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning, like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter asked, Lord, 
Are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, My master is taking a long time in coming. And he then begins to beat the men servants and maidservants, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. That servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what his master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Amen. Amen. What are your thoughts on that one, Rocky? Uh, I want to start off by asking Katie, um, so what is your overall opinion of this scripture? How does it vary from mine? And how do you account for being so very, very wrong? <laughs> I'm leaving that in. <laughs> Starting wait, off with wait, the easy question. <laughs> wait, no, that's that's my question for when Ken has, that's right, has this. That's right. No, 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 stump the chump when Ken's in charge. No, what I meant to ask you instead uh, was, um, we've been working in the goss or in the letter of First Peter, so we've been in the year 64, 63, 64 A.D., um, and we've been dealing a lot with persecution of the church. This is obviously from a time before that, and there's different issues. Could you set the stage for us? Uh, uh, I assume it was Jesus that was speaking, and what all's going on in his world right then? Yes, so it, it is Jesus. So we're we're back, uh, gosh, probably about 30, 35-ish years before the letter of Peter that we were talking about previously. Um, so Jesus is about a, a year, year and a half into his ministry. He had been to, to see Mary and Martha, um, and do Passover with them, and was on his way back to to Galilee. And he's surrounded by a crowd, not only his apostles, but a much larger crowd that has heard of him, heard some of his teachings, and wants to hear more. So they're, they're starting to kind of crowd in on him, and that's the, the group setting that he is in. And so what's your overall take on what's happening here and what's Jesus talking about? Um, so for this particular, what's happening here is— Jesus is talking to, to both the apostles and the rest of the group. You, I think we've all been in that situation where maybe you stage whisper something because you know there are other people nearby that, that need to hear it too. Um, in my mind, that's kind of what's going on here. Jesus is trying to convey a message not only to the apostles but to everybody else and starting to allude to the fact that he's not going to be around forever and there will be a time when he has to come back from somewhere. And what do we do? Um, I, th I think at this point, once once the apostles get it and once they see him and, and the resurrection and everything, they start thinking he's going to come back pretty quickly. But he's already alluding to people are going to wander and have a hard time staying focused on what they're supposed to be doing because nobody knows when exactly he will come back. All right, so, I definitely got... Yeah. Uh, Hints or foreshadowing of the second coming, the parousia. Yes. Yep. Definitely got hints of that when I was when we were when I was listening to it. The other thing I kind of picked up 
this kind of sounds like the parable of the talents, right? The parable where he says, you know, that the one who has many or lots, more will be given, and the one who you know, kind of messes up, you won't get anything. But that's not really this story here. That happens later in Luke and also in Matthew. Is this kind of the same story, or is it? Or what are your thoughts on that? Um, in my mind, yes, very similar. They're they're talking about being responsible. That you know what you're supposed to be doing, and, and you need to follow that through and, and take that action. In my mind, they are different in that. I tend to think of the the parable of the talents really truly about talents, about your gifts, using your gifts and using what skills God has given you for the benefit of of everybody around. Um, Whereas this, I see this more as relating to people, being a good role model, a good example for others to follow. Excellent. We love words in this. And there's another church word um, that comes along. It's eschatology. Or, uh, and that's study of the end, of the end times. Um, and in your mind, then, is this text eschatological? Is this about the end times? Yes. Short answer, <laughs> succinct, to the point. Yes. <laughs> Definitive. No, given that, then, because I agree, it's, it's, it's an end time uh, text. So Jesus then clearly isn't talking about somebody going to a wedding and coming back. Who are these people that he's telling to be ready, and what does it mean to be ready? For you and I, what does this mean? I, Jesus is, if it's eschatological, if it's, if it's an end time, then it's got to be to everybody from the time he said it until he actually comes back. So what does being ready mean for you and me? So I view it as being ready is it's doing what God has asked us to do. And and I know we we love this in our church. It's love God and be nice to people. And as long as you continue to do that, then you will be a good role model and example for others. You're a lay speaker. Um, One of your, your gifts is to be able to stand up and preach to the church. If you choose not to do that, are you not being ready or... What would happen if you chose not to use the gift that you have? I think it would make God sad because it would be a missed opportunity to share his love with others in a way that is different than than the way you do or the way Ken does or the way anybody else. You know, maybe it's Kathy's gift is music. She is great at that. And if she weren't doing that, the church would be poorer for it. He moves on then from talking about being ready, and, and we're going to define that then as, as each of us using our gifts for the glory of God and the benefit of the church, um, to this servant that he talks about yeah. who is getting drunk and beating on the other servants. So I'm having a hard time figuring out who, who is that guy today, because he's obviously concerned about him, and, and when he comes back, that guy's going to be in special trouble, so... Who is he? If we're looking around right now, who's, who's the drunken abuser? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it's someone who um, takes the mindset of, I'm saved, I can do anything I want. It's, it's the person who says, if God has forgiven me of all of my sins forever, as soon as I say, yes, I believe in him, yes, I believe in the resurrection, then what does it matter if I steal? What does it matter if I lie? God's already forgiven me. And in my mind, that's, that's this guy. It's, you know, maybe taken to an extreme level for, for our day today, but um, 
that personality. We had that term come up earlier in First Peter. What was that term? Uh, antinomianism. Antinomianism. That's the word we're looking for. Okay. So where, did you, where do you plan to take this scripture in your sermon? What was kind of your main theme or, or thing that you want to bring forward from this? Not being afraid to be a leader. Okay. Because we know as Christians that God does expect something of us. Like you, you already know that you've got to do something. And no choice at all is still making a choice. So you might as well make the choice to take action and to be that leader, be the example. True. Okay, so do you talk about in your sermon um, some great leaders in the Bible or bad examples of leaders in the Bible? Or, or how are you going to take that? I do. So it's um, maybe a bit unusual. I consider them great leaders, even though the examples that I share are where they've screwed up. <laughs> yeah. Essentially because... No one is perfect. And I want people, I think sometimes people get in their mind, I am not going to be perfect at this, therefore I shouldn't do it. Right, fear, and, fear of failure. It's, it, exactly. It, it strangles everybody. Yes. Absolutely. And into just the paralysis of, of no action at all. And so I wanted to give them some examples of you know, people in the Bible that we consider leaders or that we have seen God put in a leadership position who sometimes screw, screw up royally but God still loves them. He, ha he doesn't give up on them. He still is in relationship with them. He still is encouraging them to be a better person each day. So guys like Moses, perhaps. Right? Yes. He's kind of forced into leadership there. Um, all of a sudden, hey, you're now the leader of all the Israelites, and you've got to lead <laughs> them out of, out of Egypt. And where do they end up? Oh, 40 years in the desert. Great job, boss. <laughs> <laughs> Man, and the Israelites whine and complain yes, at do. every turn. <laughs> We want to go back. <laughs> it didn't take hardly even a week before they were out saying, why did you take us out of Israel or out of Egypt? That's, we were great there. We had a good life. We had food. And you were slaves. You were slaves, but yeah, it was better than this, I guess. Um, and so speaking of Moses, you know, Aaron, Moses' brother, uh, he's the first spokesman. Biblical spokesman, right? Because he spoke for Moses a lot of times, so he was the first spokesman. And then uh, Jethro, his father-in-law, is the first consultant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the Un Bible, dude. Look it up. <laughs> Un unpaid, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, yeah. Now, having leadership title, like being a king, that doesn't necessarily mean that you've got great leadership skills, right? We see that a lot in the Bible. There's, I found a whole list of all the really bad kings uh, in the Bible. And some are good kings that oops and mess up, but some are just terrible from the start. And so I tend to think, you know, God might put me in a leadership position. It doesn't mean he's going to give me all the right answers. So you got to be prayerful, be in prayer with God and walk with God so that, you know, as you have to make tough decisions as a leader, hopefully you're doing what God wants you to do and not what you think. Absolutely. Do yeah. for your own best interests. So the examples that I'd used, like you said, were, were Moses, David, and Abraham. And in each and every one of those they weren't trying to do their own thing. They were trying to be in relationship with God and to talk to him and to get his guidance and to, to seek what is it that God wants me to do. And, and I think that's, that's a key component of it. True. Um, and then here's a weird question. Um, where does leadership skill or quality come from? In my mind, um, and you hear it a lot, there are natural-born leaders— Right? Some people just seem to have a natural ability to gather people around them and lead them. 
and others, kind of like me, that was not one of their skills. That's not one of their gifts from God is natural leadership. Um, so I know I, I've looked at you guys. You know, I've known Rocky for a long time. How long? We've known each other for a long time. But I've known you as long because you've been there every time Rocky was there. I look at both of you and I see what I think of as a natural leader. Um, do you have an idea of where that came from? Or is that something that you just never even think about? Or is it something that you work at all the time? So I think it's both. Uh, in, in my personal opinion, mm-hmm. it is both. There are those who, like you said, it's the charisma. It's the ability to to draw people to you. And then how do you use that <laughs> for good or for evil? Right. Um, but I do think it's a lot of seeing good examples in your life, of, of leaders you admire, figuring out what is it that you like that they do, what is it that you would want to do differently, and then if it is something that you you enjoy and that you are skilled at, you know, um, building up those skills, taking courses, looking at the, the way other leaders do it, thinking about things differently so that as a leader, you can come to it with a different perspective. Right now, I was not, like I said, I'm not a natural leader, but I was, in my career, I was getting put into leadership positions, project manager and things like that. So that's kind of a built-in title that all of a sudden you're kind of in charge. Um, and so I really didn't know how to do it. You know, I was a shy, uh, withdrawn introvert my whole life, and I still fight it today. But um, one of the guys I used to look at was um, a guy named John C. Maxwell. He writes a lot of leadership books. He started out as a pastor, and one of his early books was called uh, Running with the Giants, where he takes um, Hebrews 12.1, where they're talking about running the race and all the yes. the all the great names in the Bible are watching you. He takes kind of what did he learn from each one of those leaders. Um, and so, like I said, I've always had to— work really hard at being a leader because it doesn't come natural to me. <laughs> For me, it's probably a, a natural inc- inclination to be a control freak. I, I like to run things. I like to be in charge. I like to share my opinion. So it's that's probably where it came from. For me. How about you, Rocky? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I spent um, four years at the Air Force Academy where all we did was study leadership because uh, they were absolutely adamant. Yes, there are born leaders, but a leader can be created as well in the right environment with the right training. And in in opposition to that, what most of us learned by the time we graduated four years later was that you can teach somebody do's and don'ts of leadership, but the ability to rally people to a a single cause, to uh, inspire them to go beyond themselves, to uh, be able to pick and choose the right people for the right mission at the right time – those things seemed to be more innate. No matter how much training we were provided with, some people just never could pick up those skills. Uh, and at the time, I, I gave myself a lot of credit. Oh, I'm just a very charismatic leader. I'm, I'm really <laughs> good at this. <laughs> well, 40 years after that, it seems to me that a lot of that is the Holy Spirit. And if you tune in to the Holy Spirit – you get the proper insight of here's the direction to go. Here's the people to help you along your way. Here's the goal that you should have your team pursuing. And I'm as each year goes by, I'm less and less impressed with me and, and more and more impressed with how God can do anything he wants through me if I'll just listen to the Holy Spirit. 
So we, we've talked about this then. You've got this gift. You've got this calling. You want a relationship with God. And so God is calling you into a leadership position to, to develop and pursue uh, that relationship. And then I jump to the, uh, to the book of James, uh, Jesus's younger brother. Uh, and in chapter 3, verse 1, James says, uh, I'm not quoting, but, but to the effect of, not many of you should ever try to be leaders or teachers because you're going to be judged really harsh. (laughs) (laughs) So is James saying, nah, don't listen to Katie. You shouldn't try to be a leader. Or is he, (laughs) is he tamping down on our expectations or, or am I, have I got apples and oranges? How do you balance those two? So I see it as being a leader is being a role model. Anyone can and should consider themselves that like always be thoughtful about Who's watching you? What are they seeing when they look at you? What kind of an example are you setting? I do think that that the pastors and and teachers are going to be held to a higher standard. And I think that's to keep keep people from grabbing power and glory for themselves. Yes. That it's not everybody, just because you're a leader doesn't necessarily mean you should be a teacher. To me, those are two separate responsibilities. I'll agree with that. And, and gifts and um, loving God and being nice to people sounds easy, is hard. Teaching is an, a next level hard because then you are becoming even more responsible for the faith of those that you are teaching. I heard something a long time ago, to teach is to show how well you know it. And so you need to be living it before you can teach it to somebody else, kind of going along with what yeah. you said. So, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And even if you're not technically or by title a leader, you are definitely an influencer as a Christian. People watch you. We learn about that in First Peter, but we learn about it this, at this time as well, that people watch Christians to see how they react and how do they, how do they handle things. And hopefully you're, you're being a good influencer, a leader, if you will, in your Christian life, that people will look at you and say, hmm, how does he do that? What's he got that I'd want? Because somehow or another, he's, he's doing better than I am in certain areas, at least. And so as a Christian, in a sense, you're a leader, at least an influencer. Katie, have you given a sermon title to this yet? I have. Leadership. Super creative. Yes. Wow. <laughs> it's another one of my skills. <laughs> it's a gift. <laughs> Miss Blunt, line one. <laughs> so if you'd like to listen to the sermon that Katie delivers, it'll be on our website at www.ponderumc.org slash ministry slash sermons. Look for the sermon title, Leadership, and this will have been delivered on October 17th, 2021. And thank you once again, Katie, for being our special guest. Of course. And with that, I think we'll close this episode from the cultural epicenter of the world, Ponder, Texas. This is Ken Corkins, Rocky Ellison, and Katie Bristow reminding you to love God and be nice to people. Thank you for listening. You can find us at www.ponderumc.org. There, you can watch the live stream of our casual service, listen to replays of this and past sermons, and find other interesting information about us. This has been Pondering the Bible. Really?